Remarkable accomplishments are happening every day on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses, from faculty instruction and research to student projects and community involvement. CMU Now is a monthly segment of the KAFM Community Affairs Hour, where we interview faculty, athletic coaches, and students to keep you up to date on all things CMU and WCCC. I'm Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host David Ludlam. We'll have three segments on the show today, and our first guest today is Vice President of Academic Affairs, Dr. Kurt Hess. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to come down and talk to us and share um, some stories with our KFM listeners. It's my pleasure. The school song was worth the time alone. You like that? <laughs> yeah. That's a KFM specialty, too. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So you started off in as, as an assistant prof- professor about two decades ago, and now you occupy the second highest position in the university. Could you describe for us your journey and maybe what you've learned along the way? Because that's you know quite a bit of experience that I'm sure you have there in those two decades yeah, I mean it's been it's been a really interesting time. I mean, I I mean it, when you put it that way, it's sort of my experience has been kind of in concentric circles, right? You start off with this kind of really narrow focus, just trying to survive through your, you know, your first semester in the classroom, and uh, gradually you get to know more about what's going on around the campus. Um, I've been a department head. Um, I worked in academic affairs and other positions before I uh, ended up as a VP, and uh, it's just really been um, really fun to kind of learn more and more about not only just my disciplines, which mm-hmm. are, are still near and dear to me, but also kind of the the uh, the other cool stuff that's going on around campus. I know a lot more about how scientists and business professors think now than I did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, Dr. Haas, uh, I understand that you have a couple children of your own who are no longer children. They actually recently went off to college. What advice did you give them as they were making their way into university life and, and wherever they, they attended college? What, or maybe more clearly put, what advice do you give students who might be just be thinking about going to college or ready to embark on that journey? Well, I mean, so for someone that is just thinking about whether or not to go to college or not, it's a, it's a conversation that's just about, you know, opportunities, right? Making sure that you have enough doors that you can go through in your life to, to be able to have some agency, you know, to be able to make um, authentic choices about what happens to you in your life and, and have some control of that. And I think college, that's ultimately what I think college is all about. Um, for my own kids, it, it's about, you know, it's talking about, hey, what kind of major do you want to go into and that sort of thing. And for me, it's just been about, um, I think if you if you latch onto something that captures your intellectual interest, right, that if you're, you take something that you find fundamentally interesting, um, you can make the, the rest of the things that you do going forward work. Right. Maybe you have to get a little more training here and there as you kind of move through your life. But everybody has to do that anyway. Um, you know, so for me, um, I found out I was I was my my avid reading turned into a love of literature. And, and turns out, um, you know, literature, if you, you know, if you allow it to, it kind of shapes your brain in ways that allow you to do a whole lot of kind of interesting things. Um, and I think that's true of anybody. I think they just need to follow follow their passions and kind of uh, end up where uh, where they take them. That's good advice. Did they take it? Did They take the advice. I think so. One of them still trying to figure it out, and the other one has kind of known what she wanted to do from the time she was eight. It's kind of frightening, actually. Uh, <laughs> I always admire those. Yeah, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian when I was 14, and uh-huh. I'm really, really far away from that nowadays. So. <laughs> that was same for me. I worked in a vet's office all throughout high school thinking I was going to be a vet, a veterinarian one day, and definitely went a whole different different route. Yeah, yeah. Animals are cool. That, uh, that seems like an appealing kind of path, but yeah. ultimately... Um, it, it wasn't for me. Anyway. Yeah, me either. <laughs> well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs. And our first guest today is Vice President of Academic Affairs, Dr. Kurt Hess. So that actually leads perfectly into our next question. 
um, for you. So you were talking about that you actually were an English English undergraduate um, student and you have a background in the humanities. And I know David and I often have con- um, conversations that people say that the humanities are dead and or dying. Ouch. Um, I know. It's, well, he's also an English undergrad. So David's allowed to have that. We talked about <laughs> that before that we came on. We, we, I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about him as an undergraduate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> so I'm wondering from your perspective, um, you know, what are the humanities and what is their future? I'd be curious to hear from you. Well, I mean, you know, it's always hard to know whether or not we're in a pendulum swing or if we're in a, um, a, a kind of a permanent trend. Um, for me, the humanities are about kind of asking those questions that we still desperately need in our society, right? You know, it's about the why do we do things, not the whether or not we can do things, you know, and, and, and what does it mean to be a human being trying to navigate, you know, everything from business world to technology to, to whatever else is on our mind. Um, you know, so the key, I think, for for the humanities as a discipline, as disciplines, right, as places within a university is going to be, well, how do we help students who decide to major in English or history or, you know, art or whatever, um, figure out how they want to connect to the economy eventually. And I think there's a whole lot of um, really data, um, surveys of employers and that sort of thing that show that the things that humanities folks do are kind of right in line with the kinds of skills that um, a whole lot of workplaces need. Um, you know, so maybe you're not going to be an accountant if you're an English major, uh, but a whole lot of kind of office circumstances, uh, business circumstances um, need the kinds of, you know, communication, critical thinking. Uh, if you think about it, um, a whole lot of life, I mean, this is kind of born true for me now that when I'm not in the, in the classroom, a whole lot of life is being able to understand difficult texts of some sort and articulate how they're affecting you or others. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got that skill... Um, you're going to be able to transfer that to a lot of things. And I think that's true of a lot of humanities disciplines. And so, so I think as long as we uh, um, continue to articulate what those disciplines are all about, I think they will, uh, the pendulum will swing back the other way a bit for them. I hope it does. Dr. Hossack, you're a Chaucer guy. So I want to I give you an opportunity to completely geek out on literature here uh, for the, a portion of our show. And, and maybe talk about, you think about Chaucer and Shakespeare and, and sort of invokes the canon. Can you explain to Listeners, what is the literary canon? And why is it important? And, 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 and what's it going to do in the future? Is it being reshaped, remade? Well, I mean, so, in, you know, in the 80s, kind of this discussion, of, th- this is a curve, by the way. I, I wasn't expecting us to talk about this, but <laughs> so I'm know, excited to. But like, you get to geek got, out on I the geek, like I said. Yeah, so no. you got me in full geek. <laughs> you got to be on your toes with um, David. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I just, I, I, hang with me, listeners. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, the uh, you know, so, so I mean, the literary canon is simply those groups of works that people decide are worth reading, a lot of times in a school context, right? Um, and so our notion of what that canon is needs to be flexible, um, but also kind of, um, I, I think for me, respectful of tradition as well, right? So we got to find ways to get folks like Toni Morrison, who passed away not that long ago, um, who's probably the, for me, the most important kind of American writer of the last hundred years. Um, we got to make sure we can, we have room for, for, for that, as well as, you know, not shunning off to the side folks like Chaucer and Shakespeare um, and, and making sure that we uh, continue to kind of... Um, you know, contain that, maintain that connection, I think, with history um, and also with those kind of just, you know, beautiful uses of language that will fall into disuse um, and kind of gradually make us dumber if we don't stay engaged with them. 
Well, I, I could keep going, Caitlin, but I'll defer but to I'm you. Gonna, this could go don't for worry, a while. Listeners, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I have a lot off. of questions about <laughs> no. this. So. I'm going to redirect it back to CMU for a minute. So um, you do have your undergraduate, your graduate, and your doctorate all in English. You've taught everything from composition and literature to Hamlet, text, and context. You've worked probably with countless students and faculty throughout your tenure. Um, but what has kept you at CMU? I'm always really interested in um, faculty members and administrative staff who have stayed with CMU throughout their tenure and really evolved with the institution. But what has kept you there personally? Well, I mean, particularly at CMU, that answer is always students, right? I mean, uh, you know, we're a very student-centered kind of campus, and and that's um, certainly what keeps me there. I mean, for me as a teacher, um, I always said that, um, you know, the the going to class, you know, that piece of it I do for free. Grading papers, maybe not so much, but, you know, going into into a classroom and having interesting conversations with a bunch of bright people, um, that's just a privilege, um, and, and so in some sense, I, I maintain that as an administrator as well, right? Um, you know, my current position is, is a lot more sort of faculty focused, but certainly it's a privilege to, to walk into meetings and talk with faculty and solve problems and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, run into these kind of incredible diversity of, of really smart folks. And, and that's one of the really exciting things about, uh, you, you know, most people would say that's an exciting thing about being on a college campus, but it's also a thing that um, helps you maintain a, a career in higher ed, which allows you to you know, I mean, the cool thing about being a college professor and kind of the track I've taken is, you know, for a while I can be a college professor. Um, at times I can I can be a writer of sorts. Um, I can. Um, and then I can also be a manager. I can also be a visionary. I, I can do you know, I can move into all kinds of different cool spaces. And mm-hmm. for me, that's been the exciting part of it um, from a kind of personal perspective. Great. Well, as we, as we wind down the segment here, I don't know if the phrase turnabout is fair play is, is Shakespearean or not, but I got, I got to turn something back on you because I had you for class your first semester uh, as a as a as an instructor at at CMU, and you put me on the spot one time, caught me having not read my Shakespeare. Good. So I'm going to now put. I'm you glad on. I caught you on the spot. Yeah, you did. Anyway. I'm not glad <laughs> you didn't read it. But. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot now, and I will ask you to tell us what is your favorite, you know, Chaucer or Shakespearean passage, and why. So, so this is um, um, this is a bit dark, and I'll probably get a word or two wrong, but it's it's from Macbeth. Um, and, and he, uh, he's, he's, uh, let me see. He says, life is a tale told by an idiot, uh, full of sound and fury signifying nothing, which is a really horrible quote when you've just been talking on the radio for 10 minutes. Um, but this is my tale told by an idiot, I guess. But, uh, so bear with me, but, uh, but there's something about the kind of, especially in the context of that play, the kind of the desperation of Macbeth, um, and, and, and the sadness and trying to make sense of, um, the, uh, what in his mind is this kind of horror that's been done to him, but is that not necessarily true that uh, always just speaks to me and just the language there is just so beautiful okay perfect all right well we're going to end end your segment on that note there so thank you so much again for coming in today and chatting with our listeners and with us yeah. we appreciate it thank, oh, well, you. thank you thanks for having me of course well don't go anywhere we're going to take a short break and we'll be, be right back with assistant professor and program director of the physician assistant program amy bronson
Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable things happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd like to welcome our second guest today, Assistant Professor and Program Director for the Physician Assistant Program, Amy Bronson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being with us. And one of the things that I noticed just kind of looking at your bio, and I think this is true of many people at CMU, is sort of, you know, you don't fit the mold perfectly and you kind of break the stereotypes. And your background is really interesting. I think you've even um, been involved in reconstructive surgery, and now you're um, running a PA program at a university. Can you kind of give us the, the the thumbnail sketch of your life and how you got from here to there? What brought you to CMU? Yeah, it's a really great question. So I have definitely in life um, embraced the um, quote that you know, really, life is a journey and not a destination. And I really feel like that that sort of captures who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, when I thought about, I've always loved medicine, always wanted to be a part of medicine, but I never really had anyone in my path as a forerunner that showed me that that was a possibility. Um, and so when I started out um, in sort of my educational journey, um, I have great women in my life who had sort of broken, sort of broken bonds and gone beyond um, what I thought was possible. From my grandmother, who immigrated from Denmark, um, ran the family farm when my grandfather passed away at a young age, um, and then my mom, who was the first one in our family to go on and get a college education, to leave the farm. Um, and to go off on this new path that has inspired sort of my walk and journey. Um, And I started off, went off to college and played volleyball and um, thought that I was going to be in education, so turned into science education. And it was really that time um, during my undergrad when I volunteered at a Shriners Hospital that I realized I really need to pursue medicine. But I didn't know exactly what that path would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to get my degree, I ended up in speech-language pathology because it was a nice mix between education and the sciences. Um, but really found working at the Rocky Mountain School of Expeditionary Learning and um, as a mountain um, backpacking guide, still holding on to that wilderness medicine piece that, man, medicine still ran deep. Um, and so finally had some people in my life that encouraged me to go for it. Um, and instead of going on to medical school, um, I had a few people in my life that were PAs and encouraged me to take that route. And so ended up as a physician assistant, um, came out here to Grand Junction during clinical rotations and ended up working in otolaryngology and facial plastic surgery. And I think it was one of those moments in my life when you get on the peak and you realize looking down on the trail that it had been very circuitous to get there, but realizing that all of those pieces were really important um, in that journey and then had the opportunity to go and help start a PA program in Minnesota, my first foray into education, um, finished my doctorate in educational leadership while I was there. Um, and then my husband's job brought us back here to Grand Junction, a place that I have lived and worked for many years. Um, at the same time, CMU was starting to explore what would it look like to have a PA program. And I feel like I've gotten to marry some of my two favorite things in life. I love education, but I love this community. And I've really seen the power of marrying those two things and what we could do to impact our community. Um, to make it a healthier and whole place for us to live. Great. That's great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is Assistant Professor and Program Director for the Physician Assistant Program, Amy Bronson. Um, so you talked about kind of your journey leading up to your time here at CMU and that, you know, it was ultimately your husband's job that brought you back here, but it seemed like it was pretty fortuitous that you were able to meld your passion for education and medicine to start the PA program here at CMU. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that process was like with, you know, starting a program from the ground up and one that's really important, um, not only for our local community, but for the regional community as well? Absolutely. You know, and it was only because of the community and the support that we have in the community that the reason that we have this here. 
you know, I think it, it took some folks within CMU to see that this is an incredible opportunity to allow students to go on in their training and to actually stay here um, in Western Colorado and the impact that that could have on our communities. We need more providers. We need better access to care, especially in our rural and underserved and frontier areas. And really being able to train folks here, there's good literature out there that those that train will stay within a 50-mile radius of where they train. And so in order to be able to facilitate having more providers in these areas, um, we are passionate about being able to have a training program here so that people will likely stay in service to this community. And so it has been a big <laughs> lift, a big heavy lift um, to get this going, you know, from accreditation to the investment um, that the university has put into this process, um, bringing on faculty um, to now having our second cohort that just started in January, which is our second group of students. Um, it's just been fun to watch sort of the mission and vision of what this could be um, start to breathe life into that and have students that are a part of it. And I would say that is what continues to drive um, our passion for continuing to make this a very successful program. So that's that's there's something I have to ask about. It's a, a story that's circulating around campus. And I, I've heard people say that you know, you've got this highly competitive program that, that people aspire to be in, involved in. And on the first day of class, students arrived and they thought they were going to jump right into learning about being a PA. But instead, they volunteered, I think, at with the Salvation Army. It was stocking shelves or something. Tell us about that. Like, what, what, How did that come about? Why did you do that? What was your thinking yeah. there? Yeah, it's a really good question. So community service is one of the biggest pieces and components of our program. We really feel like if we're going to be a part of this community, students need to learn the importance of being able to give back right away. And so, yes, the first day they show up and we have this rigorous, right, 27-month training program, which you take medical school and try and squish it into 15 months of learning in the classroom. Um, and students come ready to tackle that. Um, but we really feel like one of the most important things that students need to do and why I love education is the transformation that happens for people um, while they go through the educational process. So yes, we are about disseminating knowledge and students um, showing that they can be um, competent medical providers. But more than that, we want to make sure that they can become compassionate providers. Um, and part of that is getting them invested in our community right away as they enter Grand Junction. I like that story, and I think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a neat approach. Mm -hmm. You are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is Assistant Professor and Program Director of the new PA program, Amy Bronson. Um, so I also love that story that they were out and involved in helping out Salvation Army and out in the community. And I know that's not the only thing that our PA program is doing. Because like you said, that's a really integral part of this program. So I know you've hosted aerial clinical services. You've worked with WIC on capstone projects. And I know in previous conversations that we've had um, that you mentioned the Roundup River Ranch. And so I was hoping you could maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what that program is and how the PA students are involved. Absolutely. So Roundup River Ranch is an incredible camp in Gypsum, Colorado, um, just really right in our back door and it offers a camp experience for serious Ill illness um, kids so kids that wouldn't normally get to have a normal camp experience get to come to camp they have a pediatric ICU full-time medical staff up there that allows allow these um, you know small children to be able to come up and have just a normal um, camp experience that we take for granted every day um, and our students got to go up and be a part of a family camp and for them it was a really rich experience where they got to see after they leave a physician office, what is life really like for these families um, that are caring for these kids that have multiple medical appointments in a week, um, and they're navigating medications and, and really the fears that surround letting their kids go um, to try and sort of break the bonds that have held them um, from being able to kind of live what we would call a quote on normal life. Um, and it was a really impactful experience for our students, I think, walking away, realizing just how much more there is to medicine than that first encounter um, that you have with a patient in the office. I love that. Yeah. I do too. That's that's yeah. neat. So I want to kind of 
end our segment where we began. You you talked about your grandmother, and I, the listeners can't see it. You're just your face lit up when you mentioned <laughs> her. Can and and I think you said she sort of inspired this trailblazer that's in you. And and has 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 that connection with your grandmother helped you basically build a program from nothing? And tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, that's a really good question. So my grandmother, um, she was a woman that, and I have embraced so many of the sort of the disciplines in life that she had. Um, she was driven, she was decisive, um, and more than anything, she would dream big and she wasn't afraid to fail. Um, and I feel like those are the pieces that I continue to carry forward. Um, she got up every morning out on the farm and it didn't matter if it was a blizzard um, or if it was a beautiful day, she was walking and she would walk her two miles every day. And that is the, what I've embraced, move in the morning. That is when I do some of my best thinking and some of my best dreaming. Um, and she has really been the one that has inspired me um, to think bigger and to go bigger. Um, and that's, that's something that I continue to take forward and continue to inspire students to do too. As we say in our program, we are crew, not passengers. Um, and really you have to be an active part of your learning. And I feel like that is what we do um, in being, bringing the program forward too, because we are crew. It's about the community and the community surrounding this in order to make it successful. Um, and that is um, what we are doing at CMU with the PA program and getting students involved to be able to make an impact in our community. Well, uh, when we do the hopefully do the dedication ceremony on the on the new building at some point, we're going to have to make sure that you include thanking your grandmother. That's a great story. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. We're already at the end of our time with you. So thank you again for coming on the show today and talking to our listeners not only about yourself, but also about our newer PA program at CMU. I appreciate the time. All right. Well, listeners, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with CMU head softball coach Eric Kozel. Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable things happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd like to welcome our third guest today, CMU head softball coach, Eric Kozel. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And Eric, I'm always amazed at the journeys that coaches tend to take. I mean, you have this passion for a sport, but you often have to move around. You have to um, you start in a certain area. Maybe it's away from home. What has your journey been like? How did you, how did you land here at CMU? So um, what brought me to CMU is actually the baseball program. Um, I started uh, out of high school. I played at a junior college in Arizona, ended up transferring to California, um, did pretty well there, and that got me an opportunity to come here as a junior college transfer. And then um, after graduating, I was fortunate enough to be able to play professionally, and so that was just in the summertime. So in the fall and in the spring, I needed a job and uh, asked Coach Hanks if there was any opportunities available. And I um, actually got on as the part-time assistant coach for the softball team. And since then, I've stuck around and uh, moved my way up. And now I'm the head softball coach. So. That's cool. great. So that's what I'm saying. I think you've been with CMU softball team for four seasons now. Is that correct? Or five? This will be my seventh year. Just I was close. I was a little close. off. Seventh, yeah. yeah, seventh season. Um, and so like you said, you started out as an assistant coach. I know you are interim head coach for a little while. And then this past July, they officially announced you as the head coach. So what did that feel like for you, hearing that you were finally the head coach of CMU softball team and a really good softball team? <laughs> uh, very proud. Very happy. Um, uh, something that I had been a part of for a long time. And, you know, I, I obviously was a uh, part of great coaching staffs um, before then. And um, to 
have the interim position, it, you know, and not know if I was going to get the head job. That was something that, um, from a standpoint of being in that position, I felt like I needed to give it a hundred percent. Um, even though there was a possibility that I wouldn't be there the next year. Um, I think that the program deserved that. I think that the girls more importantly deserved everything that I could possibly give them. So I gave it everything I could that season, last season. Um, and you know, with recruiting and, and with playing softball games and, uh, fortunate enough to pan out and actually get the position and become the head coach. Nice. Well, congratulations again. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, so baseball is known as America's pastime. There's been a million movies made about baseball. Everybody's familiar with baseball. Some people might not be as familiar with softball. Uh, but when I came to a game last year, I couldn't believe the energy and the culture that you've built with the softball team. What's unique about softball culture that results in that incredible energy that your team has in, in the, at the stadium during your games. What is that? They love what they do. Um, I can honestly say that when they step on that field, that's something that they're very passionate about and something that they love to do, and that translates in their communication and in their energy that they have on the field. Um, the difference between you know softball and baseball, the, the softball portion is so much faster because of the closer bases, the closer positioning, the closer um, pitcher's circle. Uh, and so – Things happen, and things happen very fast. The flashiness is kind of not there because you don't have time to do that. You don't have time to to um, kind of show off a little bit. You've got to get the ball, and you have to get rid of it. And so that fosters more of a, a upbeat tempo um, feeling and sense of energy oh, okay. there. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. And too, I don't know if it helps at all. We just added on that additional outfield kind of, I don't know what they're actually calling it, the stands where we can see another 120 people out there. They're calling and, it the beer garden. Oh, yeah. okay. There we go. <laughs> the beer garden. Yeah. So don't yeah. forget softball games now also have a beer garden, yeah. which probably a helps with the garden. energy. A beverage, beverage garden. garden. Beverage garden. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably more appropriate. <laughs> well, you are listening to CMU now on KAFM Community Affairs. And our last guest today is CMU head softball coach, Eric Kozel. Um, so I know that I've been following our softball team pretty closely, especially on social media for the last couple of years, and they seem like they're building a dynasty and that they're a force to be reckoned with. I believe that they've won the last four RMAC championships. They've gone on to the NCAA tournament for quite a few consecutive years. Um, I believe there was one other record that they, you know, had 30 wins or I can't yeah. quite remember off the top of my head, but I was like, yeah. I know there was another big monumental moment for the softball team. Um, so they've been building this over the last couple of years. So what can we expect for this upcoming season when it comes to our players and what you all are doing on the field? This kind of goes along with our recruiting. We always, um, recruit to, um, not just replace or replenish. We recruit to get better. So this season, same, same feeling in that sense, in the sense of what we've accomplished in the past, um, we've gotten to, and we're not going to take a step back from that. We're not going to stay at that same level. We're always going to try and move forward and, and do something better. Um, the 30 win streak, we just lost the game. So we're, we're going to restart <laughs> oh, that one sorry, right now. Sorry to bring that up. <laughs> uh, but no, we, uh, we're that start this season. We're not going to be able to do that one, but you know, we still have that opportunity and, um, it's just getting better every single game and, and doing our best to make sure that we carry on the traditions and the culture that CMU softball provides and that, people throughout the state and throughout the nation understand when they talk about Colorado Mesa university and the softball program, they know that it's that elite program. Mm-hmm. I got a quick one, Caitlin. Go ahead. What's your favorite baseball player coming from the baseball world? Uh, and why? Throwing me a curveball. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a fastball. It's, it's a fastball. fastball. It's a fastball. It is a quick one. Um, I'd have to say, um, other than 
my grandpa I never got to see him play. Somebody who I did get to see play would be um, uh, probably Craig Biggio. Um, I think Craig Biggio uh, was part of the uh, Houston Astros, um, part of the Killer Bees in that era, and um, he was just tough. Um, something that I always uh, liked whenever I went and watched baseball games or watched players play is just toughness and grit and, you know, the guys that would give 100% at all times. And he played multiple positions kind of like I did, and I, I kind of looked up to that in the sense uh, he played second base, he played the outfield, he, he was a catcher as well. So, um, you know, he, he was one of those guys that when, when you watched him, he wasn't afraid to get hit by pitch. You know, he wasn't afraid to, to whoever he was facing. He, he just I really enjoyed watching him. So. Well, it seems like you've passed that toughness along to your players. You can certainly see it in their eyes on the on the field. So I sure hope so. <laughs> well, great. Well, good luck this season, and thank you again for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this segment airs on the second Tuesday of each month on KAFM Community Radio. You can also listen to a podcast of today's show on KAFMRadio.org. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam, and we'll be back next month for another edition of CMU Now on the Community Affairs Hour.